We are all familiar with the order that the Supreme Court of India gave this Monday, sending back to jail the 11 convicts in the so-called Bilkis Bano rape and murder case, rape, murder, rioting case in Gujarat on 3rd of March 2002. That was during the infamous Gujarat riots. 3rd of March 2002, that is when Bilkis Bano, then 19, she was gang raped. I'm not saying allegedly gang raped because gang involved in her rape has been convicted. So we don't have to say allegedly gang, gang raped. 14 others were killed, including her three-year-old daughter, who was, who was, who, whose head was smashed with a rock. So all of that happened on that day. The next day an FIR was registered and then the case went through many processes which I will explain to you as we go along. 11 people were ultimately convicted in 2008 by a court, by a special court in, in, in Maharashtra. That prosecution was carried out by the CBI. The background to that was that the earlier investigation by the Gujarat police was a botch-up operation. With botch-up operation, they lost a lot of the evidence. They also said a lot of the accused were not traceable and they filed a closure report in the local court in Gujarat and the court accepted the closure report. And it is at that point that Bilkis Bano also helped along by some activists and majorly helped by the National Human Rights Commission at that point. She went to Supreme Court under Article 32 of the Constitution, saying that my fundamental right, rights have been violated. In these specific situations, some specific conditions being met, any individual, any citizen can go directly to Supreme Court of India to seek justice under Article 32 of the Constitution. That article also came handy when the Supreme Court delivered this latest judgment. I will explain to you how. So when she went to the Supreme Court the first time in 2003-04, that is when the Supreme Court handed over the case to the CBI for investigation in January 2004. By April 2004, CBI had filed a charge sheet. They actually exhumed the bodies of the victims who had been buried. They exhumed the bodies. They examined evidence all afresh. They filed their charge sheets. They arrested these people, 12 of them. They filed their charge sheets. Ultimately, 12 of them were convicted. Again, why in a Maharashtra court? Because Bilkis Banu again went to Supreme Court saying, look, I don't expect justice in a Gujarat court because, one, because, because of what we know has happened in the Gujarat court and what was done by the Gujarat police. And second, the atmosphere is much, much too charged in Gujarat for me to get justice. Now, in these exceptional cases, courts, higher courts shift trials to another state. In this case, the trial was shifted to Maharashtra, where a special court convicted 12 of these people in 2008. They were serving life sentences. Life sentence in India means actually now until the end of life. That is a literal definition. Until the end of life, everybody has an expectation that if I, that if I behave well, jails are overfilled with people anyway, in any case, if I'm seen to have been reformed and no threat to society, then after some time, maybe after serving half my sentence, or in more, most cases, if it's murder or rape, it'll be like 14 years, 14 years, 15 years, 13 years. Different states have their own policies also. If I've done that, I get a certificate of good conduct, and also the government really wants to release me, I might get remission, so people have that expectation. However, the issue in this case was a bit more complicated. What happened in this case is something that we explained to you in an earlier episode of Cut the Clutter. 
an abridged version of which I shared with you yesterday just as the judgment came out to give you the background. And I thought that perhaps would suffice. But I see there are so many requests, nudges from so many of you saying that you want a fresh episode explaining what this latest order is. And that's why we are talking. So what had happened earlier was that these convicts were serving their life sentences in the jail in Gujarat. While they were prosecuted by the CBI, a central agency, they were tried in Maharashtra, an outside state. In the course of time, their request to be shifted to a jail in Gujarat was accepted. So they were shifted to a jail in Gujarat. Once they were shifted to a jail in Gujarat and they had completed their 13 years, they obviously thought that now they can go to the government and ask for remission. That's where one of them, remember just one of them, Radesham Bhagwanda Shah, he went seeking remission. When he went seeking remission to his government, his government said, Gujarat government said, I'm emphasizing the word Gujarat government. Gujarat government said, sorry, wrong address or wrong window or the wrong door. You're knocking at the, at the wrong door. Don't come to us. Go to government of Maharashtra because your case was tried there. The jurisdiction in your case, even for remission, belongs to the state of Maharashtra. And then for remission, there is a process. And that process has to be gone through in the state of Maharashtra. Because Gujarat government told Radesham Bhagwanda Shah to go to Maharashtra instead. He didn't immediately go to Maharashtra. He first went to Gujarat High Court. And he said, see, I deserve justice. I am not being given remission. Do something about it. Gujarat High Court in 2019, mark these very carefully, Gujarat High Court in 2019 rejected his application because they said that Gujarat government is not the appropriate government. Maharashtra would be the appropriate government because under the law, the settled law and interpretation of section 432 of CRPC, the jurisdiction for remission would lie with the state in which the trial was held not in the state where the crime was committed for which the person has been convicted. In this case in Gujarat High Court, even Gujarat government did not contest this. Gujarat government also said that, look, we don't have the jurisdiction. Jurisdiction lies in the Maharashtra, with the Maharashtra government. That done, Radesham Bhagwanda Shah went to Maharashtra government with an appeal saying, Please give me remission. I'm a, I have good conduct. I have served more than 13 years, in fact, almost 14 years. Let me go. Maharashtra government started its processes. Maharashtra government asked the trial court, which in this case was the special court. This, this opinion has to be sought from the judge where the conviction order was issued. Now, you know that by this time, so many years have passed, many judges would have changed. So it, so it doesn't have to go to the same judge. The same judge may have retired or may have gone to a high court or maybe by now to a Supreme Court. Not like that. You have to go to the same court. So the state government went to the same court. The court said no, because this was a crime against humanity. He does not deserve remission. Then you also have to go, state government also has to go to the prosecuting agency, which was the CBI in this case. The CBI also said no, we don't believe that he deserves remission. Then the state government also went to the SP, the police chief, and the district magistrate or the collector of the district where the crime was committed. Because one criterion for releasing people on remission also is, will they be a threat to society? Are they any longer any threat to society? So for that opinion was sought from the DM and the SP or the district collector and the SP 
police chief of the whole district both of them both of them said no both of them said no we don't think remission will be a good idea all of that was done so it looks like it looks like in the process radhesham bhagwandas shah figured he figured that he was not going to get any remission from maharashtra government now radhesham bhagwandas shah's case as we'll see as we go along was like the thin end of the wedge meant to price open the box and that box contained 10 other convicts because of the 12 who were convicted one had died in custody 11 were in jail so this one man radhesham bhagwanda shah he was filing all these cases knowing that once his case is settled the same principle will be applied to all the others which is what was happened in this case as things turned out so as he figured that maharashtra his case was not moving as well as he might have thought it was after that that he comes to supreme court of india he comes to supreme court of india again making the same plea and he comes to supreme court of india also under article 32 of the constitution saying my fundamental rights are being violated and he says the state where he committed the crime and for which he was convicted was gujarat right so why should he not be why should why should the power to give him a remission not rest with the gujarat government particularly as he is also detained in the jail in gujarat government in a sort of strange order and i'm using that expression strange very consciously very carefully and very deliberately and you will soon know why in a strange order courts because that word figures somewhere else in a strange order supreme court actually directed the gujarat government to exercise its rights and look at its remission policy two questions came up before the supreme court at that point that supreme court bench headed by justice ajay rastogi two questions came up one whether the jurisdiction in this case lay with the gujarat government to which they said yes and second if the jurisdiction lay with the gujarat government and a remission policy was to be applied which remission policy will be applied because there was an earlier 1992 remission policy of the gujarat government under which anybody whatever crime you might have committed could be released after after spending a certain number of years in jail subject to good conduct etc that did not put any bars on rapists or those convicted for gang rape murder murder using extreme involving extreme violence etc then there was a 2014 policy we know that many of these policies particularly to do with gang rape gang rape leading to murder they were refined and made much tougher in india after the nirbhaya case of 2012 so which law should apply in this case or which regulations should apply in this case the 1992 uh, regulations which would have enabled mr shah to get out now state government billing or the 2014 regulations and the supreme court also said since the crime was committed in 2002 the remission policy that existed then that is the 1992 remission policy that will apply the 2014 remission policy could not be applied retrospectively that might make sense because because can you apply a law or a set of regulations retrospectively that might be a complex complex issue but the fact is that court took this call that gujarat government had the jurisdiction even though the gujarat government appeared in supreme court saying they did not have the jurisdiction so this was this was quite an unusual order now once this happened gujarat government never questioned it Gujarat government had said that we don't have jurisdiction they should go to Maharashtra the supreme court said no you have the jurisdiction you go and take it once that happened gujarat government accepted defeat 
more than graciously by saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and immediately set up the remission committee, which held its meetings. And within 13 days, within 13 days of the Supreme Court judgment, not only did they hold their meetings, but they also they also decided to they also decided to remit the sentence of all of the convicts. All of the convicts, once Mr. Shah's case was done, all of them quickly made their applications. Within 13 days, this committee sat and immediately they were all released. And after that, they came out and you saw all that made high distribution and celebrations, etc. And remember, some of them lived in the same village where Bilkis Banu still lives. And Bilkis Banu was 19 when the crime took place. Now she's about 41, 42 years old. So imagine also the kind of terror it must have caused her and her family. Now, once these releases took place and it caused a lot of, a lot of consternation, the anger, the outrage and the general disappointment both with the Gujarat government and the Supreme Court order at that point. That reflected also in this 50-word edit we wrote at that time, which you will see on your, on your screens. This is the earlier editorial. Soon I will share with you the, the, the latest one also as we go along. Now, that is when Bilkis Bano herself came to Supreme Court. She came to Supreme Court, helped along by some lawyers, particularly Shobhan Gupta in Delhi, who carried out most of the arguments in her case. She came to, came to Supreme Court under Article 32 of the Constitution. This article will continue featuring right through this, this, this discussion, saying that my fundamental rights have been violated. Under Article 32 of the Constitution, you can go directly, any citizen can go directly to the Supreme Court. Usually, if you, have, if you, if you want your fundamental rights restored or protected, usually you, you, you use Article 226 of the Constitution and go to the High Court. But if you, in an egregious case of violation of fundamental rights, you can use Article 32. It empowers any citizen to go directly to the Supreme Court of India, which she did. As she did that, four other people filed PILs also in this case, saying that injustice was done in this, this case. These four were Mahua Mitra, the member of parliament. At this point, the former member of parliament, Subhashini Ali of CPM, senior CPM leader, Revti Lal, a journalist, a senior journalist, and Ruprekha Verma, the ex-vice chancellor of Lucknow University. They filed PILs also. So all of these hearings were going on simultaneously. What did the court say? This is the court, this is the bench of justice, B.B. Nagaratna, and Ujwal Bhoyan. They gave a sterling order. They gave a sterling order, very well argued, making strong points, but making them with a great deal of equanimity and maturity. And also unraveling and deciphering a lot of the complexities in this. For example, what are, what, what are the issues on which they held forth and they've given decisions? First of all, the convicts. The convicts in this case, Gujarat government also joined the convicts on the same sides. Earlier, Gujarat government was not on the same side. Convicts were saying Gujarat government should have the jurisdiction. Gujarat government were saying we don't have the jurisdiction. Of course, once the 2022 Supreme Court order came, saying that Gujarat government had the jurisdiction and also directing them to do something in the case of these, these convicts, Gujarat government did not complain. Now, on the other hand, they had joined in on the same side as the convicts, saying that First of all, that the petitioners had no right to be in court. Court should not be hearing them or should not be giving that, them time. Either for PIL filing, they said those who filed PILs have no locus standi. So why, are the, why is the court even giving them the time of day? And also that Bilkis Bano 
did not have the right to come directly to Supreme Court of India under Article 32. She should, if at all, either she should have gone to the High Court, Gujarat High Court under Article 226, or she should have come to the Supreme Court for a for a curative petition and against this, its earlier 2022 order. That 2022 order was actually challenged in a review and that challenge was also rejected by the Supreme Court. So the only option available to her in that case was a curative petition. She did not, did not use that. She came directly with a fundamental rights petition. So the first thing the judges have said is that, look, Whatever happened in this case, she is fully within her rights to come to us directly under Article 32. So their own jurisdiction, there is no doubt about. And also questioning of her right under Article 32 by the convicts and by the state government of Gujarat is not right. So that is easily settled. So th second question was, did the government have the right to give remission? Now, this is where the court starts using some interesting language and strong language. So one of the things I told you as we, as we were talking earlier, I said I'm using the word strange very consciously, very carefully, very deliberately, and, and, and also for good reason. Now, strange is the word that I used earlier because there's a line in the judgment written by Justice Nagaratna, line that says, despite Gujarat government taking a stand, the court this is the Supreme Court itself. So this is one Supreme Court bench commenting on a judgment given by another Supreme Court bench less than two years earlier, just about a year and a half earlier. She says, despite Gujarat government taking a stand, the court strangely, that's the word she is used, the court strangely gave an opinion that Gujarat government is the appropriate government, right? And then the ju judge goes on to say the order of this court, that is the May 20, 2022 order, the order of this court, this court means the Supreme Court, the order of the Supreme Court, the May 22 order, the, or the order of this court is also per incurium, which means it can't be followed, it is not binding. It's also per incurium because it fails the test of other binding judgments of the Supreme Court. What are these binding judgments of the Supreme Court? These judgments, some by larger benches of the Supreme Court, including one by a five-judge bench in the Rajiv Gandhi case, they clearly lay out where would the jurisdiction for remission would lie in cases like this, and they clearly state that the jurisdiction would lie in the state where the trial took place. Then the court in this order uses an even stronger word because if strange while referring to the judgment of the same Supreme Court of India and that too less than a less than a one and a half year old judgment is strong, then even stronger is the expression fraud used in any context. So they have said earlier judgment, in this case the judgment ob obtained by Shah from Supreme Court, that was obtained by fraud. The judges also said that Shah, when he went to Supreme Court, he had made inadequate disclosure. And I, I will come to that as we go along because this part is quite sensitive and quite cluttered, I must admit. But they also said that there are binding judgments of larger benches of the Supreme Court, which also said that you cannot indirectly challenge a high court order by appealing to the Supreme Court in the guise of a writ petition, right? You can challenge an order, but not in the guise of a writ petition. In this case, the convict who came to the Supreme Court, he did not come to challenge a Gujarat High Court order because Gujarat High Court, if anything, had sent him to Maharashtra. He had not come to challenge that order. 
also the judges said that because gujarat high court had told him to go on to maharashtra go to maharashtra he had also gone to maharashtra it's only when he figured that he was not going to get favorable hearing a favorable verdict in maharashtra that he came to the supreme court of india so they say that there is a nine judge bench of the supreme court ordered by a nine judge bench of the supreme court which says you cannot indirectly go to the supreme court to have the order of a high court negated which the court said amounts to a fraud being played on the court these are the words used by the judges fraud played on the court and then they say and i quote now from the judgment no judgment of the court will be allowed if obtained by fraud and frauds on court must be viewed seriously then the judges use strong language about gujarat government also they say it is quite evident that the said order is a non speaking order this is the order releasing each one of them in 2022 and they say and i quote in this judgment and they say for the state government and i am quoting from the judgment so quote marks it is quite evident that the said order is a non speaking one reflecting complete non application of mind all orders dated 10th of august 2022 are stereotyped and cyclostyled which means same language same everything it's as if the committee was ready with those orders khada khat and khada khat those were all released so all these people came out with jail again the court describes it as and again i am quoting from the order abuse of discretion and usurpation of power being one what is the usurpation of power the usurpation is they gujarat in this case usurped the powers of the maharashtra government to review these cases for remission it was not the power of the gujarat government something that gujarat government had itself stated in the supreme court of india i am taking some time explaining this to you and also speaking slowly because this is truly a very cluttered situation and see for remission if you need if you need the opinion of the presiding judge of the court where the conviction was carried out because in this case gujarat, gujarat government was really in a hurry see how prompt the system can be when it wants to help you they went to the sessions court in the hod and took that judge's opinion who had not tried this case and, and that judge's opinion was positive the opinion of others was not taken including the prosecuting agency and if the prosecuting agency the cbi had said no earlier i can't imagine that they would have said yes now again adding insult to injury or sone pe sohaga or whatever you want to call it the court also noticed that the conviction order had said that besides the jail sentence the convicts also had to pay a fine and if they if they did not pay the fine accordingly they will have to serve additional sentence in this case and this is at the supreme court of india level imagine the kind of work detailed work supreme court judges have to do the supreme court judges noted the fact that the convicts had not paid the fine and before accepting their remission applications and releasing them the committee of the state government had not even bothered to check whether they had paid the fine or not so in fact when the supreme court found this out that is when the convicts paid that fine during the proceedings in the supreme court so what happens now now these people have to go back to jail these people pleaded before the court that look our individual liberties we should be allowed to be free until we can appeal for remission with maharashtra government which is what which is where the supreme court is sending them now supreme court said no we can't do that we know that everybody is entitled to freedom but you came out because of misrepresentation fraud etc etc so you go back to jail in any case you can only apply for remission when you are in jail so if you are not in jail how can you apply for remission so they will have to go back to jail they've been given two weeks of time to go back there
Now some questions arise here because obvious question would be this is with Maharashtra. Maharashtra now has a BJP Shiv Sena government, BJP Shinde Shiv Sena, uh, breakaway NCP government, basically a BJP BJP alliance government. So can't so won't that government be kind to these people? If Gujarat government did this, now Maharashtra government can also do this. It can do this. That can happen. But at the same time, we have to understand some issues because each state has its own distinct remission policy. So look at Maharashtra's remission policy. Read the story by Apurva Mandhani on exactly this subject, Maharashtra's remission policy for detail. Also, also read the coverage by Bhadra Sena. I will share all the links with you with description today and you will understand this case better. Maharashtra's remission policy says that if there are in cases of crimes against women and minors, convicts have to spend at least 20 years in jail which none of these worthies has done. They've just done 13, about 14 years of jail. They haven't done 20 years of jail. So crimes against women and minors, at least 20 years in jail, when life sentence is given for crimes against women and minors, at least 20 years in jail. And then it goes on to say Maharashtra policy. And the policy goes on to say, and I quote from the policy and from Purva's story, the crime is committed, if the crime is committed with the exceptional violence and with brutality or death of the victim takes place, due to burns and or resulting in murder or rape, then the convicts must spend at least 28 years in jail. So jurisdiction being re-established completely now by the Supreme Court of India in Maharashtra means that if this policy is applied, then these worthies will have to spend at least 14 more years in jail. That said, you might say, they have the government, they can change the policy. Now, they might change the policy, but if they change the policy, they come out with a new policy. First of all, I'll be surprised if they do, because Modi government lays such store by the rights of women, etc., etc. They've just moved the law for 33% reservation. I'll be very surprised and disappointed if they do so. But even if they did so, then the old principle will apply, that these rules and laws cannot be applied retrospectively. So when it suited you, then you said the older regulation should apply. So 2002, the crime took place, so 1992 regulation should apply, not the 2014 regulation. Now you can't say that, look, last time I, I, I made use of the earlier law, but in this case, because the law has changed now, it's more favorable to me, that should be applied in, in, in their case. So that is what will cause complications. Although I see there's a lot of apprehension and I see it expressed in many places that the court judgment has left a window open. They have left, left a window open or a door half open that these people can go to the government in Maharashtra, which is essentially a government of the same party or the same alliance as governs Gujarat. So what is the difference? But I've also told you the complexities that are involved here.